Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Dr. Cutler. How are you? I am good. I am good. It you're, is... looking, you're looking especially gaffer today. I'm liking the oh, shirt. Well, this is a last ditch effort. I wish I could say I consciously did that, but I was kind of roaming around going like, wait, it's almost time. And I just snatched something out of the closet and put it on. So it's nothing planned. I was just like outside. It's gorgeous outside. Finally. We got we got the opposite of that here. I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's snowing and raining in Utah. Well, it's it's about seventy five, almost eighty here in Ohio. Wow. So and you I mean, your, you, you know, your we, button down shirt on. You're gonna, but today's a today's a soccer day for you, isn't it? Aren't you going yeah, out to so watch Tiago play soccer? Yeah. As soon as we finish, I'm gonna strip this off, put on something, a t-shirt, some shorts, and drive. I think I'm about an hour away from his uh, soccer field. Nice. And he, he just had his birthday a couple of days ago, right? His birthday was yesterday. He is officially 14 years old. Wow. How does that feel? You got a 14-year-old. feels awesome. Like last night, we went to um, one of those uh, Brazilian Chirusco-style restaurants with the medallion. You know, you put the medallion oh, in the yeah. and they keep coming over and slicing meat and slicing meat. And, and then you turn it over red when you had no more. And then I had a... Is there a red side? A, I've never seen the red side. I just kept it on green until <laughs> it rolled me out there. I didn't know there was a red side. And then I had a uh, passion fruit caparina. What's that? You What's know what a caparina is, right? No, no. What is that? Never had. So a caparina is simplistically put, it's like a Brazilian margarita, but it's made with this um, <clears throat> liquor called Kinshasa. Okay. Which is this pressing of sugar cane. It's really oh, wow. potent. Okay. And they and they normally make it with lemon or lime, you know, but at this place they had a bunch of different fruits that they could make it with, so I chose passion fruit. And it was awesome. That sounds amazing. We so I've yeah. never seen sugar cane pressed until about a week ago. We were in oh, Maui really? and we stopped off. We've gone on a hike uh, to up to a, a couple of waterfalls. We come back down and there's a little shack there where you can buy food. And one of the things that they said that they do with the smoothies that they buy, fresh fruit, right? So you get pineapples from the island. You got mangoes right. from the island. I, I think I ate more fruit in that last in that week than I've had in the last year. But we watched the uh, this press press out the fresh sugar cane. What a fascinating thing to see. The flavor yeah. on it was unbelievable. I mean, there's so much food that plays such a big role in our lives if we do it well. And oh, yeah. An amazing flavor, amazing taste with the right food. You watch it done the right way. It's and and I feel like that. Don't you, don't you get this feeling? Because I know you love to cook. That when you're in the kitchen and you have great ingredients, you have fresh ingredients that you can just yeah. play with it so much better. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you before. Sometimes when I start to get mildly hungry, I tend less to think about food and I start to think about color. Right. The design of the plate. Right. So I'm sitting there, you know, I'm hungry, you know, and like I said, if I'm starving, obviously I'm going food first. 
But if I get mildly hungry, I start thinking, huh, colors, red, yellow, some orange, um, mix some green in that, what type of plate? And then I think of the food. <laughs> and you can play with it from there. And I think that's part yeah. of what makes playing around in the kitchen or with anything else uh, so enjoyable. And far too yeah. often in life, I think we get away from playing with things as we get older. We get to the point where we think everything has to be rigid and we have you know responsibilities we have jobs we have kids we've got uh, meetings we have to go to that we get away from this concept of play and i know you know but uh, we are really fortunate today we've got kelly owen who is currently working on her phd and she is studying play therapy so we're going to be talking about play today I know the, one of the things that you introduced me to years ago, you, you have this phrase, and people who listen to our podcast, they hear it all the time from, from you, and I've adopted it. In fact, I don't know if I've told you this, Miles, but every once in a while, Danielle will just look at me, and she's like, okay, thanks, Miles. When I say, oh, yeah, let's play with that idea for a second, <laughs> she knows that that comes from you. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining us from Oberlin, Ohio, is the most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. <laughs> glad to be here, Steve. I'm glad to have Kelly Owen with us. Yes, sir. And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Kelly Owen, who's joining us today, was born and raised in Georgia and considers herself a Georgia peach through and through. Following her mother's, sister's, and aunt's footsteps, she earned a bachelor's and master's degree in behavioral and learning disabilities. After teaching special education and then general education for 10 years, Kelly says, I, I decided to stay home with my children. My husband, and Miles, I don't know if you've read this file, but this part is really cool. I mean, the whole thing's cool, but this got me. My husband, a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. How badass is that? was yeah, deployed to Iraq as we welcomed our third daughter into the family. A few years later, we were surprised to welcome a little boy into our family as well. Kelly says, I loved every minute of staying home with my children for eight years. As my son grew older, I began to feel a strong desire to go back to school again. Because let's face it, a bachelor's and a master's isn't just enough, right, Kelly? Uh, I've always loved the process of learning, Kelly continues, and believe with every fiber of my being that I was called to further my education so I could learn how to effectively help children to find happiness and hope. Kelly says, I decided to follow my heart and go back to school to become a school counselor. A couple of months into my master's degree, I was unexpectedly offered a highly coveted position as a school counselor at an amazing school near my home. And I started a career as a school counselor before I even graduated. In addition to taking courses for counseling, Kelly took additional classes and assessments to become a licensed professional counselor and a nationally certified counselor. While finishing up her master's degree, she began her PhD in professional counseling and supervision at the University of Georgia. Upon graduation of her master's degree in counseling, uh, Kelly was unexpectedly awarded the Outstanding Future Counselor Award. Currently, Kelly is a counselor at an elementary school, a licensed counselor, and working towards her license as a play therapist. She's a doctoral candidate, currently working on her dissertation, and hopes to graduate in August of 2022 uh, after more than five years in graduate school. 
counselor on the run, Kelly Owen. Welcome to the Evolve podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. Um, that's quite the introduction. Um, that's quite the life. <laughs> no, I'm really not that important, but it makes me sound very important. Thank you. Oh, just stop it. Just stop. It. There we go. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's wait. This is the no BS podcast. So don't the humble like I'm not get important. A pain point for Miles. He's going to go off right now. So just press well, you yourself, know what? Uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to tell you why I did that. Because while you were reading Kelly's bio, I, I, I've been thinking about because I really want to ask her this question seriously. Because yeah, right. I've noticed we've had a couple of women on who, along with my, I hate to admit this, two ex-wives, but all these women who started a career, had a certain type of life, stopped, and then went back in and came out more fierce. Right. You know, both my ex-wives, you know, well, my first ex-wife, I met her in college. You know, she was a straight A student, everything like we got married, did some things, got out, you know, and then she got sick. She had cancer, beat cancer, then went back in to get her master's. Second wife um, didn't get sick, but same thing, got her bachelor's, went out into the world, did some things and decided to get a master's, which is how Steve and I met, because that's what brought us to uh, Utah, mm -hmm. but got a master's in Utah and a bunch of women I know who this, it's almost like a certain paradigm. And I would love for you to speak to that. So that's, that's why when you said, oh, humbly, I'm not that important, BS, <laughs> you are important. <laughs> well, I think it is an important question because, you know, a lot of people, when they get to a certain age, they say, well, they're, 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 oh, I can't do that. I'm too old for this. Yeah. And there is, yeah. there, there is a, a string of people you know, we, we recently talked to Nicole Johnson on the podcast. That's right. And, yeah, that's uh, right. Went back and got a couple of master's degrees. And now we're talking to Kelly. And Kelly, I think that's probably a great starting point. You know, what? Uh, talk about this growth mindset that you've developed to continue to grow and to become edu educated uh, in your late 20s, right? Did we get that Yeah. Correct? Uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, um, that's very, it's fascinating to sit and reflect on, oh, I, I guess I did do that, didn't I? Because when you're in the process and in the moment, you're not really thinking through, right. you know, that you don't have that perspective. Um, no, I grew up with a single mom who, when my parents divorced, there is no shame in being divorced, by the way, Miles, like, <laughs> that is, that is, you know, it's always, always good things, not always, but, um, my parents divorced and I lived with a single mom and she, um, I watched her get back up on her feet and go back to school and she got her master's and she wasn't, she was just loved it. She loved learning. And I remember as a kid watching her study and this was like, um, in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. So like she had a word processor. Um, wow. No Google access. She literally <laughs> had to go to the library and make hard copies um, for her research, but she loved it. And I um, always knew in the back of my mind, she always, so she received a master's and then a specialist and she was tired because she was a single mom. So she never got her doctorate, but she always mm -hmm. regretted it. 
And so even from a young age, I always knew, I'm like, don't worry, mom, I'll get my doctorate. Like I always knew I was going to at some point in time in the, in my heart, it was just life happens and you, uh -huh. before you know it, you have four kids and you're a stay at home mom. And I loved every minute of staying home with them. And it's interesting that you asked that question because I was reflecting back. I was running this morning and thinking about five years ago, like um, I was a very different person and for me personally, and I, I remember the moment vividly when I decided to go back to school. It is like a, a changing point in my life. And it was, and it's funny because it's a very small moment. Nothing significant happened, but it's a moment. It's a very small moment that I remember. Um, but isn't that how a lot of them are? Like, I mean, you think yeah. about far too often we, we glamorize these epiphany moments and we think that they're going to look like you know god dump coming down from heaven to tell us to go in a certain <laughs> direction it's always the not, small moments <laughs> yeah it's those small moments you wake up and you're like oh i'm stupid i need to change or oh that's probably a good idea if i do this i've had so many of those in my life and i think to myself that how often do we do we pick up on those things so so tell our listeners about this small moment what so that i um i went into Honestly, I was very social in high school. I did have straight A's, but I could have cared less about, I would, my motivation was being with friends and um, was not very motivated in high school. I, I went to college because that was what was expected. And I just went where my best friend went because it seemed fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I guess I'll just be, you know, a teacher like my mom. And from them, I was, I knew in my heart, it was never like my passion, especially, I loved children, but I, there was something missing. And in the middle of my master's for special education, I tried to switch over to counseling, but I was too far deep and I would have had to start all the way over. And at this time I was expecting our first child. So I just stuck with it. But, um, and I'm saying that just to say, I always, have known I wanted to help children to be happy. Um, and I say that to bring us back to your first question, Miles, how did I know or what happened? What was my changing point? I, um, at this point, I was a stay at home mom, four children. Um, I was toying with the idea of going back to school. At this point, I had been a stay at home mom for eight years. And everybody that I throw the idea out to, they're like, yeah, but you just think who's going to watch your kids. How are you going to do this? You have to take the GRE. That's $400. You have to take the practice course. And that's $500. Like all, all the little, when I started to overthink all the little things I had to do and like the application fees and this school and that school, it was daunting and overwhelming. And I just put it off, put it off, put it off. Um, until... I had a moment where, you know, I, I wanted to go, but I just kept putting it off because it was overwhelming. I just, there was this one day that my son was three. My, I had my kids, my older kids had, were at school and I was just at home with my little three-year-old and I just felt, I was, I remember just kind of laying on the couch and he was watching cartoons and I wanted something more. Mm -hmm. I just felt like, um, yeah, yeah. 
I just wanted something more for me. That was, and I just had this epiphany. It was actually a very personal experience that I haven't really talked. I haven't told anyone except my husband about because you would probably think it was silly anyway. But I, I truly had this life-changing moment epiphany where I knew in my gut and in my soul, the time was like today. Wow. And I literally got off the couch, went straight to my laptop and signed up for the GRE. And I started awesome. searching for local universities for programs and counseling. And I did it that day. I just did it. It's so for the me, moment. Uh -huh. Oh, no, you go ahead. You finish. This is your story. You go ahead and finish. Um, I think I'm done. I just, I had to, I had to stop overthinking all the little stressors and just, just take once that first, I had to take the first step. And since I did that, it's like all these doors just started opening and everything fell in my lap. So it's like a moment like this, because I, I have these often and it, it sounded like the, the moment of clarity when, when everything becomes clear, like, you know, you said three kids are out at school, one kid is watching television, you're sitting there, you've, you've given and still continue to give your all, but you're giving outside of yourself. And it's like, what do I give to me now? And all of a sudden, this one moment, it just opens up and you see it clearly. And, and then all of a sudden, you realize, I got to move. I, I got to move after seeing this, I got to move and take advantage of this clearing that says, go do you. Absolutely. And it's kind of, it's hard to put into words how strong it felt, the feeling. Yeah. And it's yeah. an undeniable feeling that this is it. I'm doing it now. And I didn't know, you know, I've been out of school for a long time and I was 100% in mom mode. It was very overwhelming and I felt very inadequate. I felt like I had, um, even after that point, like I did, I paid the $400 to take this test and the math question. I, I had not been in school in like 15 years. I did not remember <laughs> all the calculus and trigonometry. Like I, my brain had not touched that since high school. I do remember feeling very inadequate. And it's funny because uh -huh. looking back after taking the GRE, I would call my mom and cry and say, I failed, I failed. And then a few weeks later, oh, I passed. And then I interviewed at different colleges and after each interview or universities and after each interview, I would call my mom crying. I failed. I failed. There's no way. And then they'd call me and ex ex offer me, you know, admission into their program. And it's funny how you just, we have so much self doubt when, um, but it just, it, you got to take the courage to just take that step. Yeah, but it's not just self-doubt, is it? It's, it's, you know, I think there's a, there's commonalities in what you're talking about with your story here, that as soon as we uh, make a decision that we're going to go in a different direction in life, or as soon as we start to get this intimation that we want to move in a different direction, it's very well-meaning, I think. I don't think that we have human beings in our life that are trying to tear us down, but it's very common for them to just get comfortable with who we are. So the initial reaction is to come up yeah, with Yeah, that's the, a good point. Oh, well, what about your kids or what about this? As if we haven't thought about those things, right? I think it's very well-meaning, but it's a horrible thing that we do to each other. All of us have that negative uh, mindset and fear when some new direction comes up. And so we're going to have that internal talk, but then we also have some of that external. 
And I love how you talked about that you just, you not only did you listen to that feeling when it came, but you moved quickly on that. We, and it's I, such a key. And I love that you said that, Steve, because the comments from people, not everybody, but there were a lot of comments from people in my circle that were um, put, made, made me feel made me feel horrible at the time. So um, I had somebody tell me, well, um, if you go back to work and back to school, you're gonna get a divorce. And they told me, well, why would you do that to your kids? Or how are you gonna be a good mom when you're doing all this? And I kept thinking, why can't I do it and be a good mom? Right. But I think for me, the moment, it those comments actually over time really bothered me. Yeah, and it, they should. Right. It forced me to quit caring what other people thought because I had that epiphany. I knew in my heart I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I eventually, I quit caring. I don't, yeah. I don't care what they say about me going back to school or to work because I'm doing what I know in my heart to do. And secretly, secretly, feeling, right? and I, I truly believe this, secretly, when people do that, they're actually revealing more about themselves than they are about oh, yourself. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what movie I was watching. Um, oh God, it'll come to me, but you'll recognize the situation. Um, this, this two couples are going to dinner. They're waiting for the other ones to come. The other ones come, and then they quietly announce they're getting divorced. And the wife of the other couple is beyond disbelief. I can't believe you're getting a divorce. What is this? And she literally goes on and on. She doesn't want to go out to dinner with them. She's going on and on. And as the movie progresses, we find out that the woman who was complaining about the couple getting divorced secretly wanted to divorce her husband. Uh, <laughs> and, she, and, and, and that's what triggered her okay. to react. And I've, I've learned since then that sometimes it's actually fun now. Like I don't know, I no longer take it seriously because I can listen to people. And the question I always ask is when they're complaining about something or think, you know, interrupting what I want to do and with their negativity, I always say, so you're really telling me about you in this. And that always gives them pause. I but love it is that. A reflection. Yeah. I think that's an important piece. I, I'll tell you, in my life, I've had sem several people as we've uh, evolved and changed directions at times with different things. I've had the same experience. But I love what you said earlier, Kelly, when you said that at a certain point, you just decided you don't care anymore. And there is a freeing uh, feeling. It's just it's so liberating to say, you know what, this is my life. It's not yours. What you're saying is revealing something about you. It's not about me. And you just start to take those steps forward. Talk a little bit more about the confidence that comes as soon as you make that decision to not care about what other people are thinking and then step into your own uh, true path of life. Um, like you said, Steve, it is truly liberating to learn to just not care what people think when you know that you're doing what is best for yourself right. and for your family. Um, and that's really all that matters. And it does when you, for me, I try to always think about, okay, um, before I make any decision, it's always, of course, I always put my family personally first and my heart first. And the beautiful thing is, and what has given me pure confidence is that 
everything that I have done for, for me personally in the past, going back to school, struggling, watching my, my kids, watching me struggle has been an incredible blessing. Mm. And I had no idea yeah. that was going to yeah. be such a blessing. I mean, it, um, my educational journey has been such a bumpy road, highs and lows. And I didn't realize how, I mean, I always know like um, to be, you know, I always knew kids would watch us, but I didn't realize how exact, how influential my everyday actions would be yeah. on my children from yeah. Yeah. watching me yeah. make an F on an assignment. Mm. And then I study like crazy to figure out what I missed. And then I actually got to be on the next assignment. So, so they've learned that like, it's okay to fail, but it's what happens after you fail that makes the difference. And it's how you talk to yourself when you fail, that makes the difference. Yeah, they're, um, they're learning from your example in that moment. There's no better way to teach them. And everybody place, fails. Right? We right. have to teach our kids how to fail. Right. They're going to fail too. And they need to know how to talk to themselves when they fail or how to um, get back up on their feet. You know, take a deep breath, be sad, and then keep going. <laughs> so, Develop the resilience, right? You, yeah. you, you reminded me of something that happened. So uh, my, my wife went through a similar uh, path where really? you know she got her bachelor's degree in fine art oh, and wow. then when her uh, when we had kids she stayed home and had some part-time jobs here and there but when our youngest started going to school uh, at full time uh, I, I think it was kindergarten or maybe first grade and she says I don't know what to do with my life and so we brainstormed a few ideas and I said, well, look, you're, you're great with people. You're almost like a savant level when it comes to remembering numbers. Why don't you look into finance? She said, I, I can't do that. I don't know anything about finance. I said, again, you're great with people and you can learn finance. So she dove in head first, got into this job, um, You know, was fortunate to get a part-time job to kind of teach her how to get going. What we noticed though, uh, we, we, we had the fear of like, what's gonna happen to the kids mom and dad are not always available in the same way that we were before and what was so cool is it just opened up so many different conversations that we had not expected you know it, i remember one day that our second daughter came to us and she you could tell she was struggling with something and i said carly what's going on and she just broke down crying and she said i'm just so used to coming home and telling you guys all about my day and now you're both busy with work and and that opened up this conversation around emotional intelligence and understanding your emotions and understanding what your need is and that mom and dad haven't gone anywhere. We're still here. Now, maybe we just shift to talking at dinner or after dinner, or maybe it's 20 minutes later than what she normally was used to, but we came up with a different strategy and that became so freeing. And each one of the kids has thrived watching my wife go through that. And so this reinvention of self really has a positive impact on the kids. What else have you noticed with your children as you've gone uh, into the workforce and, and continue to educate yourself? Like what, what else are they getting from your example? Well, um, well, a funny thing, you know, when I study or write, which is mm -hmm. a lot, I, 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 
for me personally, it has to be picked up. <laughs> I cannot write or focus if my space is a mess. So everything is put away. Uh, yeah. I always have um, a candle burning and some type of instrumental music, <laughs> like some instrumental. I love like instrumentals. So, but it's funny because at night when my kids are like doing homework or whatever, I will go in their rooms and they, they literally study the exact same way that I study. I've wow. never once told them how to study. So I just, cool. they so all cool. have, they will have their candles and their music on and their rooms will be, I won't say spotless, but. Um, Cleaner than like a normal, right. Normal it's room, it's yeah. funny just how they pick up on the little daily things. I do know having limited, my time has opened up now because I'm ending. Next week is my last um, face-to-face class of my um, PhD. And after that, it's writing only. So we are, I'm just, it's almost um, surreal because I have been um, in school face-to-face for five years, leaving, you know, twice a week or wow. once a week. So next week is, it's the final end. We're going to celebrate. But what I have noticed is that since my time is limited with my kid, I have less time with them when I'm in school and writing but man, I miss them so much. Mm. When I am with them, I just can't get enough of them. I yeah. want to be with them. I want to talk to them. I, when I'm going to the grocery store, I'm like, please come with me. I just miss you. Like, <laughs> help me make dinner. I know, isn't that funny? But I wasn't like that before. When I had tons of time with them, it was almost, um, I truly have appreci- I appreciate my time with them now. So you can take and- it for granted. You do, and and you realize they don't they don't stay home forever, and so right, yeah. What a beautiful perspective. Uh, I'm sorry, Miles. My oldest, I have a 16 year old, so she um, is finishing up her sophomore year in high school. Okay. Um, I have a 14 year old in seventh grade. Oh my goodness, she might be 13, but she won't listen to this podcast. It's fine. It's okay. I screw up on I screw up my kids' ages all the time. They'll be 14. They never, they never listen to the podcast. Yeah, it's fine. I could screw up their names and they wouldn't even know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I have a 10-year-old in fifth grade, and then my son is eight and he's second grade. So what okay. a great way for them to learn. I think uh, you know, seeing your example uh, as you go through this and you know, it's, I, I love how this conversation has gone. This was not what we had originally talked about or planned of uh, discussing your personal evolution in this way, which, but I love it because I think so many people, men, women, they need to hear this story of that. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. The future of life that you want can be created. Age doesn't matter. Situation doesn't matter. It truly is about choice. It's about accountability. It's about follow through and resilience and that's what your that's what your story is all about that is really fascinating so kelly i do want to talk about what you're studying as you mentioned you're coming up on the uh the final week of your classes why did you choose play therapy what was it about play therapy that became so intriguing for you to study in your phd um those kids the the kids that's all they do is play you're like what if this was like a, a graduate level course just play my kids but miles they have those it's amazing <laughs> and in all honesty like i really do love to have fun i 
believe you will be most success most successful in whatever you're doing if you're having fun. Yeah. yeah. Whether you are typing a paper or doing finance, if you're having fun, I mean, why not have fun? And so, and you're going to be your most successful person when you really enjoy what you're doing. Um, and so that to me really is where play, I'm like play is so fun. And I- So it kind of matches up with I, your personality and with your perspective in life then. I love it. And when I'm yeah, at work cool. and I'm with children and they're who are playing and learning and I'm like, I get paid to do this. Like, this is wonderful. I love children. I love playing and it's helping them. Um, so I, my background is, you know, special education, general education. Yeah. And in special education, um, the push, you know, it's uh, behavior modification is a big, you know, thing because you want to help decrease those um, disrupting behaviors so that they, that, you know, can learn. Right, um, right. But for me, a lot of it was, well, why, are these behaviors there? I don't want to just change the behavior. Like what, what's going on? Dig uh, deeper into it. Cause there's always a root to a problem, right? Yep. And I yeah. remember there was this one child that, um, his, he was a third grade student and I was teaching third grade at the time. And we had to get these math scores in and he had to, um, do his math test like that day it was very important and but his mom was just put in prison that morning oh wow and he was heartbroken third and grader me, and his mom's going into prison that's where I knew I like a, um and he was acting out and I knew why he was acting out and I didn't want to change his behavior because his social emotional needs needed to be met I wanted to fix right. his why I wanted to help him with why he was acting out, not just change the behavior. And so play therapy really counseling is, you know, for me helps to address the, the why behind why kids are acting out um, or why kids are struggling. And play is just the natural language of the child. All children play. Everybody right. needs to play to be healthy in some form or fashion, even adults. Um, there's actually a lot of research on the impact of play with adolescents and adults. It's, it's highly effective in decreasing those um, internalizing and externalizing behaviors. So it's, the, the research is fascinating. There's just not enough of it yet, which is where I felt led to write a, do my dissertation and play therapy. It's really kind of funny to think about that we're talking about research and play, like two things that oh. you would think would be the antithesis of each other, right? Right, yeah. But there, I, it, yeah, that, that comment just made me laugh that uh, there's not a lot of research on play, but we all know it's good. And <laughs> there, there's a benefit to it. What, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the benefits that you've seen as you've started to implement some play therapy with the kids that you're working with. Um, you know, children, they, only have so much language and language processing skills as young children. So when they are struggling with these big feelings on the inside, mm. or, e or even um, maybe they've experienced something and they've um, 
developed a mistaken belief from this experience that we don't know about because they've never verbalized it to us. Mm-hmm. But they believe they are bad because they can't sit still in class. That's a mistaken mm-hmm. belief. Yeah. Um, and so through play, through watching how children approach problems, how they approach task or assignment or um, organ, you know, just what play materials they're drawn to, that can, t- that can tell you so much into their, um, who they believe they are and why they do the things they do just through watching what they do. So let me ask you this. I I studied a little bit in college. My initial uh, study was in art. And and then I realized I didn't want to uh, tell somebody what to do to create art to get paid for that. So I changed uh, my my major. But one of the things that we studied in my my major was art therapy. And so there are, there were tells, there were things that you would find as, as kids would draw things, the colors they would use, the intensity of the strokes. Are there techniques that you're utilizing to assess and evaluate as kids are going through this play to help you to, you know, pick up on these markers that, okay, this person, this kid may have a deeper issue. 100%. And we use a lot of art therapy and play therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's life. <laughs> yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, so I um, I discovered Adlerian play therapy a couple years ago, um, and I was really drawn to her, you know, play therapy has a lot of different theories or approaches on how to play with the children. I was really drawn to um, Terry Cotman's Adlerian play therapy, which was based off of Adlerian therapy, Alfred Adler, um, the individual psychology, because it, she really focuses on looking at the whole child and how they interact with in their different world systems that they belong to. And as a play therapist, there, she, um, and it's congruent with Adlerian therapy, but there's four phases. So number one, that relationship is always there. You have to have a very strong relationship. So when you're first playing with students, um, you have to play with them and develop strong connection. Um, And then the second phase of Adlerian play therapy is you're you're trying to discover the child's lifestyle. How are they at home? How are they at school? How do they act, um, you know, in the community? And as you're, you're setting up different um, play activities that will help explore um, this child's lifestyle. And that will tell you, once you understand kind um, you know, what are this child's goals of misbehavior? Like why, you know, may they believe they're the bad kid. So they act like the bad kid or, mm-hmm. um, you know, once you learn what their, um, lifestyle is, then you can develop different play interventions to help, um, you know, re-educate or help correct those mistaken beliefs and give them opportunities to show you're a good kid and this is why. Um, All, you know, Adlerian teaches everybody needs um, to feel connection to be successful. Everybody needs to know they are capable Mm -hmm. to be a successful adult. 
everybody needs to have courage to take new risks. Mm. Um, everybody needs to know that they count and that they belong. And so as you're watching the children play, it's really easy to see which one of those four C's that they don't believe about themselves through how they play. Okay, so give those C's again. Break that down one more time. Okay, um, they're called the four C's. You could okay. Google it. It was developed, um, oh, I forgot her name. It was developed by a, anyway, not by Adler, but it's part of Adlerian play therapy. Um, okay. It's. Say Karen Horney? Yes. There is yeah. developed by two people, and she is one of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the four um, C's. So um, everyone needs to know that they count. They count. So they, everybody like matters. Up, like you yeah. are important. Yeah. You, you are an important, you know. Um, everybody needs connection. Connection they need with to know other they're people. They're not alone. They have people. Yeah. So when kids are playing, they don't um, interact with the kids. You realize that they're the ones who yeah. need connection. Um, everybody needs to have courage to take risks. Um, courage to try new things and um, capable. They need to know they're capable. Okay. Wow. What a, what an interesting uh, breakdown. Cause as you're talking about this with kids, this is, I mean, we don't change as adults in, in relation to these needs. Right. I mean, it's important for all of us to, I mean, we, it's funny because it works, you know, I feel like sometimes I know too much because I um, will totally do this with my husband. <laughs> I have analyzed which crucial C he's missing because it helps me to interact with him. Right, um, right, yeah. Yeah, so we- Does he ever look at you and say, stop analyzing me? All the time, it, yes. So I sent him to the grocery store and asked for um, a can of tomatoes for something, a, a recipe I was making. And he, I believe, came home with like stewed tomatoes. <laughs> okay, all right. And so I knew that his capable could be a little struggle sometimes. So in talking to him, I, I knew that to build up, I needed to build up his capable in, or, or in order to avoid a conflict. <laughs> so, you know, I said, you um, made him, you know, you are a very smart and important man. Um, you accidentally got the wrong type of tomatoes and you're still a very important and smart man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and he's just rolls his eyes. He's like, stop it. So, so in a few months, he's going to look at you, uh, once you have your PhD and say, Dr. Owen, take your PhD hat off. My, my wife, I, he said I that a long time teach, ago. <laughs> yeah. I used to teach a lot of leadership and coaching, um, and, you know, traveled around doing that quite a bit. And, there were times where my wife and I would be in a conversation and she looked at me she's like, stop coaching me. That's like, awesome. Uh, sorry, we're just in that mode. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, as we talked about in our uh, pre-show and, and in the introduction, Miles introduced me to this phrase that I absolutely love. I have stolen it. I have adopted it. This idea of playing around with something, playing around with an idea. And oftentimes over the years, I'll hear him say, yeah, I'm playing with this idea right now. So that could mean that he's studying something, he's reading something, he's experimenting with something. It might be music that he's playing with, whatever it is. But 
I love that idea. And I think as adults, we get far too away or far, uh, we distance ourselves from play because we want to always be right. Or we want to have this, uh, we, we think we're quote unquote adults. And so we're not supposed to make mistakes or whatever this crazy belief is that we may be carrying on with. But we get away from play far too often. You know, it's funny. It came from, um, it came from years of reading self-help books and, and not getting any help. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, because I, I, I realized, um, and this is, I, ha, I wrote about this in one of my journals, um, the self-help industry is like a drug. And yeah. you read the book, yeah. and when you read the book, it's like taking the drug, you're getting high. But yeah. the minute the drug is, the minute you finish the book, you start to go through withdrawal, so you're waiting for the next great title. Mm-hmm. And I realized, it's like, wait next a minute. Next great theory, the next thing that's just yeah, going to make all the difference. Yeah, I'm not playing with any of these ideas. And yeah, so I'd come up yeah. with this theory that when you read a self-help book, the first the first thing that you come across that resonates in you, you underline it, you put it on an index card, you close the book, you put the card in front of you, and you go, how do I live this? How does this thing I just read affect my relationship with my son? How does it reflect the relationship with me? How, how do I walk around when I'm going shopping with this idea in my head because I want this idea to become me? And then I would start writing about it. And that just, it was a cascade effect with everything, with everything. And I, was, I used to I tell everybody, my worst sense is, my worst sense is my sense of smell. Mm. And I would tell everybody for years, oh, I can't smell, I can't smell. And then one day I looked up after doing this thing with the self-help books, I realized, why don't you just practice goddamn smelling? <laughs> <laughs> so I put all of the, the oils, I went out and got all of the seasonings and I just started sniffing, just sniffing and sniffing, making a conscious effort to smell because we don't, we never practice our senses. And Steve, you'll appreciate this. David uh, Huberman. Yeah. Who, David who, Huberman, Huberman talks who, about. Are you talking about, about Andrew? Andrew Huberman? Andrew, I'm sorry. On Andrew Huberman podcast? talks yeah, about yeah. practicing seeing. Yeah. Practicing visual acuity to go out relax your eyes, look at things far away, right, look at things right. close. Yep. And we don't practice our senses. Yeah. So that's where all of this came from. A lot of it came from just playing, you know, this sounds weird, but playing with myself. So, well, I, we're going to jump off of that topic. Um. <laughs> no, just keep it in context. Thank you. You see how your little mind just wandered off into the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and so did every one of our listeners. Kelly, talk about how, as you've studied this play therapy for kids, how has that changed your life? Uh, aside from uh, coaching your husband and being the PhD to him, uh, but what, what's, it, what's it done for you? Um, it really kind of ties in a little bit to what Miles was just saying. It has completely changed how I see um, children and how I interact with them you know as as educators we're taught you know do this activity do this assignment see how the kids did and you analyze the end result play therapy it's really not about the activity but it's about watching how they approach and accomplish the activity that you are going to get your most valuable information and not the end result it's the process 
where you learn how to best help the child. So really that has changed. I see um, how kids do things differently and how they interact and just everything. I just see them differently. What a great lesson for adults too, because I, I mean, part of the purpose of the Evolve podcast is to give people tips and, and ideas that they can actually go out there and test and play with. And I love what you're talking about, that it's, it's the process. And far too often we get away from the process. We think about the goal and we have to accomplish that goal. And Oh, I haven't accomplished this, but somebody else has. And so maybe my life isn't as good as theirs, but it's, it's the process that brings the passion. It's the process that brings the happiness. It's the process that brings the fulfillment. Absolutely. It's funny because I am a self-help book junkie too. Mm-hmm. Although I, eventually, because I am so tired, <laughs> I've had to like totally find books that are like fiction and not, I just need to take a break from helping anybody. But, <laughs> but one of the self-help books that I really loved was Atomic Habits. Yes. Yeah. And I actually, it's funny that you were saying you had to stop and write it down because I had to do the same thing with this book, Miles. I had Mm. to write and I have a little, I have a running list on my phone still that I keep checking back into. But he talked about when you enjoy the process of something, the end result, it's James written by James Clear, the end result will just come. And I have found that to be true in my running. When I enjoy just being outside in the morning and the fresh air and just the process of running with my friends and that that process, we don't realize how fast we're going until the end. The results just come. And it's been the same with me being in school. I have enjoyed, I love being in the learning environment, the process of being in class and like interacting and learning and taking notes that process is fun um and the result steve is gonna love this steve is gonna love when i say this the process is what puts you in flow yeah yeah you you get more flow experiences when you concentrate on the process and as steve kotler said i think he calls it um the, the the acronym rest was uh, effortlessness, well, um, I'll screw it up, but effortlessness, timelessness, and there's two other ones that are part of the process. It takes you out of thinking about what you're doing. You know, the, it takes you out of thinking about the end results. Yeah. Where, you know, as a runner, it's one step after the other. You pay attention to that. You pay attention to your heartbeat. If you got company, the landscape. And the yeah. next thing you know, you yeah. look up, you go, I just ran 100 miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, like, what are you talking about, 100 miles? But you're right, it's enjoying and getting involved and engrossed in that process is, and when we when we play with things, it just, it, uh, it's so enjoyable and so self-satisfying. Yeah. And it's, it's a thing that becomes satisfying in and of itself. Well, Kelly, I know we're coming up on our time and I appreciate you joining us and giving us some time today, but before we go into the uh, tail end of our, uh, and go into the rapid fire questions. Uh, I need to hear the story about how you came up with the title of your Instagram profile. So that was originally how I found you. I had this thing oh, pop up on yeah. my Instagram that was like, <laughs> counselor on the run. That's a, what a, what a cool name. Who is this person? And that's how we, we initially got connected was that that name stood out to me. So how did you come up with this idea of counselor on the run? 
It came to me in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All good that. things come to me in the shower. I just have the Absolutely. best thoughts the come way. to me in the shower. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I'm always on the go. We're so busy. We're yep. And I'm a counselor and I love to run. I think that was like, somebody was like, you are always on the run. I'm like, literally. I'm like, oh, I'm a counselor. It just came to me in the shower. I think I'm like, I should change my Instagram to that. What it really does man. describe me to a T. <laughs> yeah, you're a counselor. You help people. You're always running and going with all the responsibilities you have. And what time do you get up in the morning to go running with your friends? Um, when I when I run at home with I run at home with my husband a lot. He's also a runner. Um, okay. We wake up about four thirty, between four thirty and four fifty, depending on where we're running. Mm. So that means yeah, and it's you get used to it. Yeah, yeah. I I'm like you. I once four thirty hits and my alarm goes off, I'm flying out of bed. I, it, it was hard at first. That's where that James yeah. book really came in handy yeah. <laughs> to like prime your environment. But um, right, right. You do get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, you get used to it pretty quick. It took less than two weeks for me to adapt. Yeah. And I, and I I actually employed some of the stuff that Clear talks about in his book, where I started at four forty five. And then I okay. went to 4:40, and then I went to 4:35, and then I went to 4:30, and I finally okay. said, "Okay, that's my that's the point where I that's feel the, the best." It's where you're officially okay. That's funny yeah. because I used to think I would never wake up at 4:45 to go running. Those people are crazy. Yep. And then yep. I became one of those people, and then now they're like, "Let's meet at like 4:20." I'm like, "Okay." And then they're like, "Hey, can you do four? I'm like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. But it never Oftentimes seems crazy when I'm doing lovely. it. Yeah, it doesn't seem crazy, but uh, we become what we think we want. Uh, and that's funny because that's what I'm. That's what I'm going to bed. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> well, because I, so when my son was first born, uh, my my wife at the time and I we we figured out where we are the best in terms of our in terms of being alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I used to love putting my son to bed. And then she would go to bed and I would be up. Yeah. And there's something about like at night I can hear the silence. And then I live in a place where, you know, I'll go out the back of the apartment complex and it's just a wooded area. So it's just quiet. Sometimes you, I'll see deer creeping along. That's but there's something about creative time for you. Yeah. 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 I, it's just something about one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning of being alone. With plan with ideas like what I was talking about, music, food, whatever. So I usually end up going to bed at four, and then when I get up in the mornings, usually at nine or ten, I'm just frazzled. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna start a chat here that uh, when Kelly's waking up, when I'm waking up, and you're going to bed, it's like good morning, good night, right? Right. Like, good morning, good night. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, good night. <laughs> well, Kelly, let's uh, let's jump in uh, to our rapid fire round. Uh, okay. we, I want to ask you a few questions, and the way that we do the rapid fire is we want one word or one answer okay. to the rapid fire questions. You ready to go? Okay, fine. Yes. All right. So let's talk disruption. How have you disrupted your life to spark new growth? I have to say that in one word. One oh. word or one phrase, one sentence. going back to school. Awesome. I was thinking that. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's all, all we've talked about is her disruption. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you've evolved over the years, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do? I can be a good mom 
and follow my dreams. Beautiful. What are you playing with right now? Figuratively. Yeah. Well, unless you have something in your hands that we don't see, but uh, what's no. an idea? <laughs> something that you're playing with? Stephen Miles. Um, how to trust the process oh beautiful uh last question in the rapid fire we never really stop evolving what do you do to show yourself compassion along the way watch netflix (laughs) very nice Well, Kelly, this is not part of the rapid fire. So here's our final question for you. You can take your time on this one. At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of each other, like we just talked about with James Clear. It doesn't have to be difficult, uh, but just something that's consistent. If you were to give our listeners one bit of advice, what is the most important habit that you would want them to stack and build upon? Um... Daily gratitude. Mm. So impactful. It's really interesting that you brought that up. And we were talking earlier about your growth and evolution and how similar in tone and nature that it was to Nicole Johnson, one of our previous guests. Yeah. And she said the same thing. Daily gratitude was a life changer for her. So I think we've actually had quite a few. We've had quite a few people. Yeah. I've experienced gratitude. I've used the phrase life-changing for my gratitude journal. It really has. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Kelly Owen, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Kelly, uh, what is the best way for people to follow your personal evolution and stay connected with you? Counselor on the Run on Instagram is where I post... um, my educational journey plus mom hacks daily life awesome and i know you're also we didn't get to this in it today but we uh but i know that you're passionate about helping other people to have these hacks for eating healthy for uh, living a healthy life and balancing or juggling I, we should say all of the responsibilities that they have as a mom so yeah counselor it, it on the village way. so I'm, it really I'm does. trying to always share what I've learned. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you. And uh, hey, remember, folks, that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.